0: Now? having just finished dinner does not disqualify me
1: from being hungry. I could still eat again. Well, yeah. <laughs> I was going to disagree with you, but that was just for the sake of disagreeing. I, I'm i hungry almost immediately after eating. I think it drove my both, well, my mother in the past and my wife now
0: that I ate two sandwiches 10 minutes later. But
1: Yeah, it's like Chinese food, but with sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Welcome to Man Fully Alive podcast. My name is Mike with a mic, and next to me is Deacon Nick. If this is your first time tuning in to Man Fully Alive podcast, uh, Man Fully Alive comes from the quote from St. Irenaeus that says, The glory of God is man fully alive. Well, every guy wants to know how he can become a man fully alive. and And the way that we do that is by uniting ourselves with the only man who you and I have ever experienced to be fully alive, which is... Jesus Christ. Yeah, big JC, big JC. So JC is uh, well written about in four gospels, and those gospels uh, often have many of his exact words in them. And by knowing our friends we grow closer to them, but by knowing Christ we become those men that are more fully alive. Indeed. Uh, but it is it is not an overnight thing, and so let's let's continue on this journey. Shall we with uh, open with a prayer?
0: Yeah, a little prayer. Here we go. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Lord, thank you for this week, this past week, and thank you for the way in which you guide us. You send your Holy Spirit to strengthen us and embolden us and to, to guide us on our path. And we ask you, Lord, to help us to raise our hearts and minds to you as we listen to your word this evening and hear your gospel. And we ask you to inspire us inch by inch, day by day, little by little to become men fully alive. We ask this through Christ, our Lord.
1: Amen. Amen. Well, it is, um, now time for us to reflect on last week's challenge. And the challenge from last week, which was, uh, the feast of John the Baptist was to enhance one relationship. Uh, that was, that that was one of those positive ones that was bringing you closer to Christ. Um, and and you have to think about that like just for a minute the relationship between John the Baptist and Jesus these were co- these were cousins you know yeah um i know i know i had a lot of cousins that i was close with when i was growing up and it was always a delight to see the ones that were around your age that you played with as kids and and i think about that relationship that i had with some of my cousins and i i can only assume it was a similar same level of delight i guess you could say when when Jesus would see John the Baptist, and it had to be a very uplifting relationship because, uh, well, he's the Son of God, and he was the final prophet, <laughs> right. right? So Jesus being Son of God, John the Baptist being the, the last, yeah, the last that was a great prophet, prophet, right?
0: Right, and well, and there's so much about the hidden life of Jesus that we don't know, but you have to assume that family life was central, and uh, John the Baptist uh, probably played a central role in Jesus' life, and vice versa. Yeah,
1: yeah, That's it's it's baffling. Just to kind of think about that—that that two of the, the really most quintessential talked about people in in Christianity, right? Yeah, uh, cousins, so close.
0: Well, yeah. and actually, it's funny how how even saints come in pairs. You know, even if they're not related, so often they're friends or they were were mentors of or whatever. Yeah, it's amazing how saints beget saints.
1: Well, and 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 that that really brings us directly to that challenge. There are relationships out there that are bringing people closer to Christ. And what the challenge was, was to enhance that one relationship that is, is building up that Christ focused person within you. And, um, the, the one you do, well, actually I, it was, it was tough because I, I just, I just got it in under the wire right before we recorded. And, um, I, I, I had a guy that, who's lived down the, the road for me for uh, gosh, a, more than a year. And, um, actually it's probably right at a year. And, you know, I've, I've said, Hey man, we should have a beer sometime. And, uh, we just happened to take our kids down to the end of the cul-de-sac and, uh, we're, they were playing and, and Emily's finally can reach the pedals on the big wheel that I bought her a year ago. So nice. she's starting <laughs> to really enjoy that. And he comes out and he just, we're, we're just chatting it up. And he goes, Hey man, I have a, uh, guys group that meets and just kind of talks about how God's working in our lives. And uh, I, I hosted on, on, on Monday night. So you should, uh, you should come by. Yeah. And so I, I, I went by and it was a, a group of really like holy uplifting men and really calling each other to Christ and calling, calling each other to actually pursue that relationship that we all talk about pursuing. Right. And, uh, it was just a, it was a cool moment. It was a cool moment. So I got to meet a bunch of New relationships, you know, I know this is supposed to be more focused on one relationship that that has been pulling you, but this was a new relationship that actually just out of out of the blue was like, "Hey, do you want to come talk about Christ?" and uh, that's always refreshing, right yeah that that any man is 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 comfortable enough with his own faith and and strong enough within his own faith to say hey i want to I want to invite you to something that's incredibly valuable to me and uh, yeah, it was it was a cool moment that's awesome. That's
0: awesome. Um, I don't know if this technically falls under the umbrella of this challenge or not. I think it does, though, because uh, it's a relationship that I'm working on, not just for myself, but also for my wife. And so as a married couple, my wife and I are planning on strengthening our relationship with another married couple in the archdiocese. Uh, and we're setting up a, a, a time and an opportunity for us to do that. So we're working on the calendar still. So that's going to happen. But... Mm-hmm. But yeah, I haven't exactly succeeded just yet.
1: That's okay. Yeah. Ho- holy double dates are cool. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so without any further ado, let's let's get into this week's gospel. So this, this week's gospel comes from the gospel of Mark, uh, Mark chapter 5. It is uh, verses 21 through 43 or 21 through 24, 35B through 43. So there's a shortened version. We're going to do the long version just because there's some really meaty pieces in there. A reading from the Gospel of Mark. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him, and and he stayed close to the sea. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came forward. Seeing him, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, saying, My daughter is at the point of death. Please come lay your hands on her, that she may get well and live. He went off with him, and a large crowd followed him and pressed upon him. There was a woman afflicted with hemorrhages for twelve years. She had suffered greatly at the hands of many doctors, and had spent all that she had. Yet she was not helped, but only grew worse. She had heard about Jesus, and came up behind him in the crowd, and touched his cloak. She said, If I but touch his clothes, I shall be cured. Immediately her flow of blood dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Jesus, aware at once that power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and asked, Who has touched my clothes? But his disciples said to Jesus, You see how the crowd is pressing upon you, and yet you ask, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. The woman, realizing what had happened to her, approached in fear and trembling. She fell down before Jesus and told him the whole truth. He said to her daughter, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be cured of your affliction. While he was still speaking, people from the synagogue official's house arrived and said, Your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher any longer? Disregarding the message that was reported, Jesus said to the synagogue official, Do not be afraid. Just have faith. He did not allow anyone to accompany him inside except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they arrived at the house of the synagogue official, he caught sight of a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. So he went in and said to them, Why this commotion and weeping? The child is not dead but asleep. And they ridiculed him. Then he put them all out. He took along the child's father and mother, and those who were with them and entered the room where the child was. He took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha, come, which means, Little girl, I say to you, arise. The girl, a child of twelve, arose immediately and walked around. At that they were utterly astounded. He gave strict orders that no one should know this, and said that she should be given something to eat. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
0: I love this gospel, in particular, the middle part about uh, the woman who clasps on to Jesus' clothing. I I think I've mentioned this before, but it was a major moment of revelation in my faith journey. Uh, The reading of this uh, gospel in combination with Eucharistic adoration. I'll never forget the priest reading this and then telling us that as he walked around the room— with the eucharist in in the monstrance that beautiful thing that holds the eucharist he also had of course his long garments on and he encouraged us as he walked around the room to reach out and to hang on to his clothing as an extension of the eucharist as an extension of jesus himself and i'll never forget being there as a young teenager i must have been like i don't know like 14 and the priest is approaching and i was all excited and i realized you know i know that the eucharist is real and I know that I have so much to share with Jesus, so much burden and baggage, emotional, you know my life, whatever, all these things were in my head, and I remember reaching out and touching uh, the the cloth of the priest, but it was it was touching the clothing of Jesus, and I felt God's presence. Um, and what came to me was an overabundance of peace and joy um in a new way, in a way that I had never experienced before. So this gospel's always had really uh, personal, deep meaning to me, and and I just love it for for that purpose.
1: It's a it's an incredible reflection. I uh, I had a similar experience, but I I think the uh, I think the moment that that this woman who I mean, it says even clearly her thought process, which was. You know, if, if I just, if I but touch his clothes, I shall be cured. Yeah. I mean, you don't, I don't know a single doctor that if I just walked <laughs> in and touched his stethoscope, it'd be like,
0: boom, done. Boom, good.
1: Yeah. Hey, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> do, do I pay my copay now? <laughs> yeah. That's right. deductible. Very good. Yeah. yeah. Um.
0: Right. The divine physician alone does this. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, and I didn't, I didn't necessarily have any expectation, but I remember experiencing that peace and joy and, and how awesome for her to be such a witness to us of faith. She just knew Jesus was going to accomplish this for her. Yeah. Um, what great faith. That's awesome.
1: Well, and I think that's, that there's a big piece there. This is kind of an, ad, it it is an adoration moment, right? When sitting before the blessed sacrament, which for Catholics is the uh, physical presence of Christ's body and blood in the Eucharist uh, made physical every time you go to mass, right? Through the, through the form of trans, transubstantiation where the priest acts as Jesus um, in the last supper and actually takes the place of Christ in that moment, allowing the body and blood to become uh, that bread that we see right in front of us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that the bread and wine become the body and blood of Christ for us and feeds us.
1: Um, yeah. I, yeah. Said I think I said that backwards. It may be. I, I was just saying it again, <laughs> yeah, just to yeah, make sure, but yeah. yeah
0: uh, you know, what a, what a wonderful moment. And in fact, these, this entire gospel is about faith. Not only does the woman with the hemorrhage show great faith, but so does Jairus who comes up and talks to Jesus about his dying daughter. Um, and it's a wonderful, uh, it, these two, these two stories seem like two stories, but they really go together quite nicely because the woman is hemorrhaging for 12 years, and because of her hemorrhage, she is dying. And then you have the the little girl who is 12 years old and is also dying. And in fact, we hear just a little bit later that she is dead. And at 12 years old, she would have been a maiden. She would have been of marrying age. You know, She would have started her cycle and ready for, for children and so that's uh, when
1: that's when the natural processes begin precisely
0: so just like the 12 years of hemorrhaging for the older woman this woman this young maiden is only 12 years old so you have a symbolism between the years of 12 but also the symbolism between bleeding uh the woman was bleeding for 12 years and this young maiden will start because of her cycle and this all points to the appreciation for life both of them Are dying. The woman was dying of a hemorrhage. The girl was dying of something else. We don't know. But both uh, were bleeding, and to stop the bleeding for the older woman preserved her life, and to preserve the life of the younger woman allowed her to begin her her cycle, so that she could marry and bring into the world new life. Yeah. I love this new life imagery within this gospel. It helps us to appreciate how God comes to our aid and wants greater things for us than even sometimes we desire. Not only health, but prosperity in life.
1: I think it's important to to just touch on it wasn't the faith of the girl, right? Right. That saved the girl. It was the faith of her father. Yes. So praying for your family and seeking Christ for your family is, is equally valuable here. Oh yes. The, the, the first woman being afflicted, primarily pursuing healing for herself, right? Pursues Mm -hmm. Christ, touches his cloak, power immediately leaves him and she is healed. Right. All her seeking her own salvation right there. Mm -hmm. Right. But the interesting thing is, is this is the synagogue official Jairus that is seeking healing for his daughter. Yes. And, and us as men, we're, we're called to seek that same healing for our families and that same healing for, for ourselves.
0: Absolutely. I mean, not only do we pray for ourselves, but you're right. I mean, as a father and especially as a deacon, I, I've, I've become consciously aware of what it is that I'm offering up during Mass. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I notice that so often it is from my wife and my daughter. Um, and I think we as men, trying to become fully alive, That's part of it. We offer up our prayers, our sacrifices, our love to the Lord on their behalf.
1: Yeah. And, and had he not loved her, he didn't have to pursue, uh, Jesus through this large crowd. Right. Right. That was a, that was a sacrifice of himself to, you know, inconvenience the teacher so as to save her life. And, and and that's what he does. She's dead. He's brought back to life. And, And, you know, Christ saying, well, she's just sleeping. Yes. But. That's because for Christ, death is not the end, right? Well Death, right. Is, death is the sleep. Death is, is not, not the end. end.
0: Right. It, death is not the end. And it's funny here, too, because he does tell them, oh, she's not dead. She's sleeping. And then he sends everybody out of the house. And then it's just uh, Peter, James, and John that are there with him. But they see the miracle. They see that she truly is dead, that she truly does rise from the dead. And he tells them, tell no one. And you kind of go, well, oh, Jesus, come on. You know, you just performed a miracle. Why aren't we going to tell anyone? Um, If we look at the the greatest meaning that we're supposed to get from this uh, gospel is the faith that we see both in the woman and in Jairus. They had faith without the miracle. And so Jesus doesn't want to show off the miracle in order to cause faith. He wants people to come to faith without the miracle. And so... Uh, Peter, James, and John are allowed to see because they are, you know, the great apostles to well, be. Well,
1: not only that, they are already believers. Correct. Right? And so it would be a violation. We, we've said this every single episode, every single podcast. Christ is a gentleman. Yes. And Christ would be overriding our free will if people were to witness the miracle Every single time, such as bringing someone back to life the way he did with Lazarus, he did that once publicly, right? Right? Someone who was definitely dead, he brought back to life. But he wasn't going to do that so many times that it was going to override the free will that he gives us. He wants our love to him and our surrender to him to be voluntary. yes and And I think that's kind of where there, there, there there's a nuance there that that needs to be understood.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, <clears throat> we're, we're not called to ask God for proof of our faith through miracles. We are supposed to have faith in God as a response of love to his initial invitation of love, which we, which we hear about uh, in the Easter gospel uh, of his resurrection. And on the, well, first on the Good Friday gospel of his death and then the Easter gospel of his resurrection. It's believing in his sacrifice that we come to love him the the miracles of raising from the dead or any other are, are just proofs they're just sort of the cherry on top of our faith
1: yeah that's well said so there's there's a lot there obviously a sizable amount to unpack but i think i think we really covered it uh very very thoroughly the one part i do want to touch on is uh christ you know he's always he, he says why why this commotion and weeping I love that he always asks questions about what has disturbed your peace, right? Why, why, why do you need that? Well, that's good. Let go of that pain, right? Yeah. Every time he comes to the apostles, peace be with you. Why this commotion and weeping? And, uh, the well, child I, is not dead, but asleep, right? And
0: I think that also calls people to faith. Like, are you crying because you think this is the end? This is the final end? You're never going to see them again? Or are you crying because you'll simply miss them? Because remember, when Lazarus died, Jesus wept. Mm-hmm. But but of course, Jesus has faith. Jesus is the source of our faith. Um, so not that so much uh, crying is a proof of our disbelief, but I think you're right. Jesus asked the question to clarify, what what is the source of your weeping? Because you should still have hope, even in your sorrow.
1: Yeah, it's a beautiful reading. There's, I am. There's a bunch of pieces here that we haven't, we haven't even touched on. But I think we should really start talking about the challenge. And yeah, the challenge associated with this one is. Uh, I, I'm sure we could go a couple different ways. The one I think is is most relevant is the, if I but touch his clothes, I shall be cured. Mm. I love this because it, it it's a woman taking action so as to be healed right yeah. and even just the the prospect of getting yourself to church is sometimes a great difficulty for men sure i don't know why it's like football is an enjoyable sport to watch i get it <laughs> yeah. you know uh i'm a kansas city chiefs fan and <laughs> Uh oh, you just I, made enemies. <laughs> I I you know it's the nature of it, but what what people don't understand is that without faith nothing else in life is worth it. Without the Lord, without Jesus at the core of everything you are doing, your life has no meaning. It 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 ends. It just ends. There's nothing beyond that. And so the value and the beauty of life come to life when you start (laughs) uniting yourself with the Lord. And so I would say the challenge this week needs to be something about pursuing and touching the Lord in some way.
0: Yeah, I think uh, if, if our listeners could take it upon themselves to find an opportunity in their life to grow closer to Christ in a way that they have to kind of push themselves. So if they go to Mass weekly and that's not really a big deal or not hard, fine, great, keep doing that, but what else can you do? Are you going to add a little prayer time? Yeah, add a rosary.
1: Add a rosary once a week, or add, you know, if you're already doing a rosary and mass, now add uh, every other week, go to confession.
0: Right, yes, exactly. Add more sacraments, add more prayer time, whatever it is that you can do to reach out and grasp the Lord. Um,
1: One of the things I think this was a big one for me was, I, I had, I had kind of really done a good job of developing that personal faith life, but I hadn't shared it, Oh, you know, where you're doing the, doing the masses, you're doing the sacraments, you're going to confession, you're doing adoration, but then I hadn't made any of this about service. Oh. And so yes. it, this could be even just doing a small amount of community service or, or, or taking a commitment within the parish that. No one wants to fill, right?
0: Oh, that's so true. You know, and parishes really do struggle. I'm only going to stand on this box for a second, but uh, having worked in one, I know there's so much need for so many hands, you know, yeah. so many cooks. Uh, and and yeah, they're always looking for volunteers because there's so much ministry to be done, sharing of the gospel to be done. Yeah. I'll, and, I'll stop there. <laughs> well,
1: and and you can even take that one step further of if you do sign up for a role, that you actually seek out the person that's supposed to schedule that role and you say when are you going to schedule me for it. Yeah. Right? If it's lecturing, if it's uh extraordinary ministers of eucharistic uh communion, the the just reach out to the person, get get signed up or you know if you're a young guy, serve. Yeah, or a girl or, or whatever. Yeah. But the point is take the challenge and and pursue one step closer to, to Christ through an activity that you can actually perform pursuing God the way this woman in her faith was healed by touching his garment.
0: Yeah. Seek God.
1: Yeah. First kingdom of God. I love it. Even when it's not convenient. That's right. All right. You want to close us in prayer or you want me to do that one? You're up. All right. In the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly father, this is, just a, another perfect reminder of how when we put our faith in you and when we put our trust in you, that you reward us with healing and peace and, and life. And you restore that which was lost to our sin. So this week, please just dwell with us and help us to voluntarily dwell with you, just asking you to come, Jesus come, or God the Father be with me or come Holy Spirit, just very simply dwelling in your presence uh, at each moment, just allowing you to pursue you throughout our day and allowing us to dwell in your presence more fully and more completely. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. For Man Fully Live Podcast, my name is Mike with a mic. And I'm Deacon Nick. Signing off.